Welcome to another deep dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast uh, this with episodes the same length as the amount of time I spent looking at uh, tweets celebrating the death of Rush Limbaugh today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always like on the edge of my seat when Eric goes because it's a, it's a meandering. It's thoughtful, but he always gets there. Well, thank you. <laughs> Love to be meandering and thoughtful. <laughs> I always like check uh, your math in the back of my head. I'm always like, wait a minute, is that about two hours? Yeah, I guess it's about two hours. And I have a little moment to myself where I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, Eric, Eric did his job this time. And right. every time. Check Good. it out. Let me Good. tell you, man. Let me tell you, I sweat it every single time. Like they, in the in the old days, uh, you know, back when we were sitting around each other, I would like think about these beforehand. And now it's like it, it actually surprises me as much as it does you guys. So. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if this was something that you because it's kind of like when when um, Eric was the first out of the three of us to do stand up and your your tone on stage was always very like conversational, like kind of like you were coming up with it on the spot. And so I wasn't sure if that was a stylistic choice or if we were seeing it as it happened. Uh, that is a stylistic choice. I mean, like I, I, I would always, I always like wrote notes out and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So like I had, I had like the idea of what I want. Like the thing is with me, what you have to understand is, uh, <laughs> um, although, although I like to think of myself as a, as like a pretty capable writer, um, I don't know if I'm necessarily a capable performer of my own capable writing. So I feel like if, like it always goes better for me when I just like have my notes and I, or, or, you know, sometimes I'll just like write it out, but basically I won't, I won't um, memorize it. Cause I hate memorization and I, and I, it, it just like, I don't know, it, it throws off my rhythm. So writing out whatever I feel like saying and just having it like on a, you know, in a notes app or whatever, um, it does a weird thing of like saving it in my brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to kind of like, you know, so, so yeah, it, it, you know, I'm, there are, there are some things that come up at that moment, you know, like if I think of something, I'll throw it in as a flourish, if you will. But uh, no, I, I, I pre think a lot of that stuff. Thanks for coming to comedians That's... in cars, getting podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't realize we wanted to break down my, my method. A special guest, Mark Marin. Uh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got a, uh, a big second half of our McMahon Helmsley era episode. Although the second half of this isn't so much about the McMahon Helmsley era, but we'll get to that kind of as and unpack that as we go along through this episode. When we left off, we were on the January 3rd episode of Monday Night Raw. Triple H had just won the WWF title. The black and green balloons descended from the ceiling and Degeneration X was partying backstage. However, that was not the main event for that night. We still have uh, a lot to get to even from that very episode. So Triple H has the title. He's in charge. 
What else is there left to do but dunk on the recently fired Mick Foley? So Howard Finkel, the uh, the voice for whenever you want to get things, um, whenever there's, you want a little bit of gravitas behind it, comes out and announces a Degeneration X production. And on the screen we see, not have a nice day, but have a bad day. Boom, roasted. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um <laughs> I, I what like what's their process? You know, like we spent a lot of time talking about like how you know how I get to where I do. I don't know. You know, did they did they spitball? Were they sitting around a room? Um. So this first one here takes place at the unemployment office, and I I have to assume that none of them understand how an unemployment office works. <laughs> but I mean, just just get rid of the word unemployment, and just none of them understand how an office works. <laughs> None of them understand. We can just take off the rest of it. Triple H. Right. Just just say none. Triple H is playing the character of Harry Sachs, um, which I'm sure. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> um, but we have a fake mankind come in asking now to get work from the unemployment office where I guess they thought it was a temp agency. I don't know. And you guys, so, wait, wait, I want to be clear. We all know who's playing fake Mankind, right? Yes. Okay, well, it was a bit of a journey for me because okay. I, at first I, I was like, who? And then um, there was a point where I saw a nose ring. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. now I'm pretty sure it's Diaper Baby Midian. <laughs> it's it, Midian! We got tricked to watching Midian again! <laughs> <laughs> Aaron made us watch Midian again. It was the cruelest trick the devil ever played. I, well, okay. So two things. First, Eric, no, this is not Diaper Baby Midian. This is not what we've been (laughs) hyping up all this time. That is still coming. Second point, this is the most competent performance that Midian has performed. 100%. um, Ever. Yeah, yeah. Even Sorry, Eric, for the spoiler, but even looking forward in what's left of uh, the great Dennis Knight's career, this is, I think, his high-water mark. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, he gets the voice right. Well, it's I mean, a he's... great impression. It's great. Yeah, he's playing a fully formed character, which is something that he never had for himself. So even, even a half-baked <laughs> impression of a good thing is better than his... Probably very well thought out, but half-baked characters that he's played along the way. Yeah, all basically just uh, Mick Foley's leftovers is like is even even his leftovers are enough for like a three-dimensional character for some other fucking jamoke. Yeah, truly you know that uh, strap a rocket to the back of fake mankind. <laughs> It's funny He'll you say Mick Foley's leftovers. Do you know what, what Dennis Knight did after he left the WWF? Did he become a chef? He became a chef, yes. I thought so, yeah. In I Florida. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean... Is he in New Orleans? Is that right? I want to say. I might be wrong on that. I think he's in Florida. I think that there's mm. like a, a mandate where you're, if you're a retired wrestler, you have to live in Florida. Uh, yeah, all WWE uh, Hall of Famers have to move down to Florida. It just happened in January. <laughs> I was gonna say with that with that tattoo profile, there's only a certain amount of like you know uh, walks of 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 employment you can go into. Uh, Your career path gets limited. 
And you guys, we all agree he's definitely doing a ratatouille, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's no other explanation. (laughs) Except he's the rat. He's living in someone else's chef's hat. Uh, I mean, I mean, even even vermin wouldn't try to control Dennis Knight. Being in his hair, no thanks. <laughs> Hard pass. Um, I really like the like that that line. I could get hit in the head thirty seven times and not have any damage, and I could also get hit in the head thirty seven times and not have any damage. <laughs> like, there's some funny yeah, notes good. to his performance here. Yeah, um, a lot less so with Triple H. Oh boy, and well, he that only gets worse. It, oh, it definitely gets worse. I don't have anything else to say about this segment if we want to get to the worse. Yeah, might as well. Because then we follow this up with, with a segment later on in the episode where um, fake mankind has gone to a hospital in order to entertain the children. Triple H has adopted a disgusting um, Asian accent as Dr. Hung Lo. Everything about this is bad. Well- yeah, uh, well, it goes back to um, when Vince when Vince McMahon was calling Triple H a, a rapist, but I was like, mm, you could call him a racist. I think that makes more sense. Mm. Yeah, terrible racism here. And yeah, the the, the glasses, the the kung fu at the end. Um, definitely, no one's looking back fondly on this one. And yet, they keep doing it, like. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing. Like, you know, I thought that they put that shit behind them, but it's just like they just didn't get another chance for a little while. But there is another story that's brewing tonight. The Rock has to face Degeneration X in a handicap match uh, or else he will get suffer the same fate as Mick Foley and find himself fired as well. And backstage, the Stooges are already talking to The Rock as though he is fired, which we all know the Great One will not take that. Did anyone else watch uh, the first episode of Young Rock last night? No, not yet. No, I haven't. It is aggressively middle of the road. That's the vibe I get, for sure. I mean, down to the insane framing device where it's 2032 and The Rock is running for president. I don't well, think it's what, that uh, insane. What, what's, what's, his, uh, what's his party affiliation? It definitely does not say. Mmm, interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> DX, though, is insisting that first they're going to kick his ass, and then we're going to fire his ass. As if we needed a reminder of the story that's going on. They were like, we have we have two objectives. Kick his ass and fire his ass. I'm like, they're kind of related, right? Because, like, kicking his ass leads to him being fired. Like, it, it just felt a little, eh. So one of those is know. like like subheader A. Fire his yeah, ass. It was just... Fire his ass is the main objective, but in order to fire his ass, we need to kick his ass. Right. Like this could have this meeting could have been an email, DX. <laughs> uh, it's you know like it, it's gilding the lily a little bit. Whole lot of that with them. And then we get well, especially to... because especially because you can't hear them when they're talking <laughs> like they don't they never get the boom in there. Just write your fucking words out, guys. Inaudible. Um, and speaking of inaudible in part three of Have a Bad Day, Triple H's Southern bookstore owner, 
B. Dalton was B inaudible in the captions. Uh, but B. Dalton has to be a joke that if we have any young listeners, they will not get that at all. I know. Bobby, did you get it? Nope. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm so young. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little baby. I'm just a little baby. I'm oh, so yeah. cute and young. Bobby Bobby's, uh, and Bobby Harry uh, is our twink. Uh... <laughs> Our, our twink expert on wrestling from 2017 to 2020. Wow. Yes. B. Dalton was the bookstore in the mall that wasn't Walden Books. Yeah. Wow. B. Dalton Booksellers. That one I don't remember. I remember Walden Books, but not B. Well, Dalton. it was Walden Books. It was Walden Books, B. Dalton, and Barnes & Noble. Oh, yeah. That Barnes & Noble three, at that right? point wasn't even like a, like a superstore. It was just... Like the 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 mall, like the same size as Suncoast Video. Yeah, but I mean, like every mall could have you either you either get a B Dalton or you get a Barnes and Noble, and never the twain shall meet. Um, and once again, we get Triple H not understanding how a particular business works. So, uh, mankind in in uh, air quotes is there to do his book signing for his book i've been fired which i mean they probably spent as much time coming up with that fake book title as they did for this film series but then uh the bookstore owner fires him from signing his book at the store that's how firing works yeah. you can get fired from anything <laughs> aaron you're fired well from being the, from being the person running the, the this podcast you can cut be rehired as the person who's just seeing it for the first time <laughs> well i'm going to have to get together a whole bunch of uh, other podcasters to uh, go against your tyrannical rule there eric <laughs> um what was i going to say uh i one of the things that really annoyed me was that they played the fucking credits for every single part and i was just like not that it, it, like it wasn't compelling at all, and certainly three times it's not compelling. And I mean, we all know this, like uh, from I mean, anyone, not just like us, uh, but like it, nothing heightened, nothing wet anywhere. It was like uh, the three beats were exactly the same. You know what I mean? Like it would just, it just, it was unnecessary because it didn't, it didn't escalate at all. You know what I did say, Eric? Every time a DX film came up on the screen, not a film, not a film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a commercial. <laughs> that's a that's an inside joke. That's uh, I don't know. Have you ever mentioned that on uh, the podcast? I don't think so. One of my absolute favorite things to do is back when we used to go to movies. Um, we'll have to explain what those were to the kids someday. But we get to the theater, the lights would go down low, and then some student filmmaker would be would say, uh, "Hey, welcome to Regal Cinemas." Here's our film that we made. And then they would proceed to play a commercial. So every time they would say, here's our film, I would yell, not a film. Not loudly, but loud enough that the people around us could hear it. Like you stated it as fact. Like it was entered into the record. But you didn't shout. But it was like you said it like this is I'm entering the statement for the record. I just needed everyone around us to know that this was not a film. This is, in fact, a commercial. It, it, I, I'm just enjoying right now imagining that scene from Omega Man, where uh, <laughs> like Aaron is is has you know is walking the streets like uh, trying to scavenge and and uh, hunt vampires by day, 
And then uh, he also, like, stops into a movie theater, is, like, sitting and watching a movie by himself. And then when the, when the uh, Coke student films come on, just to no one in particular, just saying, not a film. Well, because it was never for anyone but me. I just needed everyone. I just needed to, everyone to know that I knew that it wasn't a film, even if no one was listening. Well, actually, it was for the the film students who were uh, in front of you in the row. They always invite the film students who did those films to watch it with a live audience. And what you never noticed, Aaron, was the single teardrop uh, running down each of their cheeks. Really, it was for my fiance to question every time, why am I with him? <laughs> so we go to DX backstage, um, actually, like, almost drunk after the celebration from earlier, uh, Triple H informs them that he will fire them if they do not beat The Rock during that match, at which point The Rock attacks. By the way, um, that mirror shot was very um, very artsy. Mm. Like, you know, you see everybody through the mirror and then the then the camera moves. I was, like, disoriented. Yeah, I think... That was in the champagne room. I think Truffaut used that first. Mm. A DX well, there's film. The... <laughs> there's, the, there's also the, the DX uh, film that shoots. It basically just um, just shoots the sunlight coming through the the leaves of the trees. That's also a very famous Triple H uh, shot. <laughs> so the match starts. It's a no DQ match. Um, it definitely struck me as odd that they decided to leave this as the main event instead of Triple H versus uh, the big show for the WWF title. Yeah, agreed. I also thought it was weird that X-Pac kept his shirt on. He looked, he looked like he was swimming with his shirt on. He didn't think it looked <laughs> weird. You're like, why is he wrestling this whole time with a shirt on? They're the same wavy system when swimming. Like, say, And I say that as someone who swims with a shirt on. It looks... <laughs> odd and not socially acceptable for a reason wait bobby it's weird wait, bobby wait you're you're not gonna go back to swimming with your shirt on again are you oh no i mean like i'm thinner than i've ever been since i had covid thank god but uh <laughs> i have no muscles on it literally thank god thank uh, god you kept the weight off I after like COVID. A, a sad crumbling nothing because all i don't i don't um i'm you know uh not living like most like everybody else <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm in thought all the time so i look uh weak and pallid uh, but not that's not really something I would keep a shirt on over. Um, that's something I would show so people are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like the more clothes X Pac puts on, the more clothes Triple H takes off. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I buy that. Like there was one point where where I was just like, "What is Triple H wearing?" It was like the skinny, the like uh, essentially the bikini brief. Uh, that was the very, very, very small. And like <laughs> X-Pac is, looks like he's doing the potato sack race. And while all this is happening, JR and King are just talking with complete certainty about how The Rock will no longer be employed in the WWF. And there's no possible way that he will ever overcome this. I also felt like JR was being a little bit too over the top with uh, some of his prote- uh, protests throughout the match. One point where they're out of the ring and yep. King is like, it, it doesn't really matter if they're in the ring, JR. And JR goes, well, it does to me. It's very like, 
it felt like a line reading from the room like when they're yelling about the drug money on the roof like it matters a great deal like that's exactly the line reading he gave to that we get some um some very good main events over the course of this like some that that i watched all the way through because i was enjoying them so much this was not one of them yeah no this was like i mean look i um the ending was fun but very predictable right like Mm -hmm. anybody who helps is gonna get fired well that that probably has to do with everybody right doesn't that you know who could who who would not have the threat of being fired. Yeah, who, anyway. Who amongst us match? does not have the sword of Damocles weighing over their head over whether or not they'll be fired? The thing I would think about in terms of playing this main event is that I wonder if it was either about counter-programming uh, Nitro for the night uh, or in terms of playing the Triple H main event and not this uh, or vice versa. And I think probably because The Rock was probably considered the biggest draw. So even though the championship switch was happening earlier than I still think they probably thought to keep rock to keep people watching because he's the biggest name. Just some thoughts. Yeah. All of those mm. make sense. Uh, but still dumb. So we come to, Oh, did we even say, so Mick Foley comes in, hits triple, uh, hits them all with a chair. There's a rock bottom to Billy Gunn. Miracles do happen. The rock is still employed. Degeneration X and the McMahon Helmsley faction are not happy with this. So we get on January 6th that Monday was a proud night. Triple H won, but everyone else everyone else failed in their mission to take out at The Rock. Stephanie is going to take care of Mick Foley. She's got a warrant out for his arrest should he show up to the arena that night. But X-Pac needs to fight the big show. Billy is going to take on the Acolytes in a handicap match, and we haven't really figured out what Road Dog is going to do. But in a really, really cool thing that I think should be do- done more often, uh, Triple H is going to be in a random lottery for the championship later tonight. Um. So what about Steph's hair, though? Did Steph? <laughs> did Stephanie have an overnight with Deborah? Oh, no. <laughs> in the dumpster they definitely equate i think of the wwf um evil hair with jbf hair you know what i mean with like with messy makeout hair they definitely <laughs> yes. are like oh yeah. yeah well she's evil so she definitely like just got fucked so like for sure like muss up her hair <laughs> real, real good at all times <laughs> um yeah, sorry. That was what that was the main thing I was thinking about here. Um, also, Billy Gunn's head while while uh, Triple H is talking, or maybe it was not Triple H, maybe it was Steph talking to Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn's head just keeps turning to Road Dog like constantly through every single like like it was like every other second was turning to Road Dog. It was super weird. And I guess what this segment made clear for me is, like, the difference of when DX is an extension of, like, Triple H and Stephanie's charisma. Like, they're hype men. But when they're kind of, like, put opposed and have to stand on their own, it's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, you guys can't do this alone. Can't, oh, 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 I, oh, no. I'm sorry. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, and yeah so- they got they got real, real supporting vocals energy, but yeah, tw- can't solo. Real 20 feet from stardom vibe. <laughs> And if there's a, an 
overriding issue to these episodes kind of being played back to back to back as we're watching this, it really just accentuates how boring the, okay, tonight the bad guys are in charge of the booking, and next week the good guys are in charge of the booking. Yeah. Yes. This one definitely felt like it spun a lot of wheels. So we had Big Show versus X-Pac, which, I mean, come on. The Big Show was wearing shorts that made me really consider what he's packing in a way that I haven't really considered it before. So that's my note. Um, (laughs) Did you see there was a, did you see a bulge? Was there an outline? Yeah. I just thought the shorts were like a little bit of a different fit. Like overall the, what I I feel like I was used to, or maybe the way he was filling these out on this night, but I was just, I was drawn more. I felt like, Um, and then the more I was drawn, the more I was curious. (laughs) Well, Though the Big Show is also rocking uh, the same hair as Stephanie for most of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, but his hair is uh, just Big Show hair. <laughs> JBS. <laughs> um, I thought the funniest part, the only thing I, I wrote from this match was when um, Big Show had his foot on um, on Xbox. Like, I think it was, was it on? Yeah, it was on his neck. I, I was pretty sure I could hear X-Pac going, owie, 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 owie. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the conclusion to this match. Big Show gets DQ'd by Mike Chioda for standing on X-Pac's neck for far too long. X-Pac <laughs> gets a chair and Big Show punches him through the chair. That was cool. I that was cool. That. Yeah. We get a, a sign that police officers have surrounded the arena. But fake Mick Foley has gone to Universal Studios for the night. Now, these segments, I couldn't get enough of. Like, I wanted <laughs> yes, yes. more of these segments. I would watch Dennis Knight as Mankind go to Universal Studios. That felt like TGIF when they'd have the episodes where they go to Disney, like Full House <laughs> like would be in Disney. That, that's what this felt like. I, like. I would watch this truly forever. Like, Bobby. When they got on all those earthquake sh- rides and whatever and, and, and all, like, the, 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 the famous rides – uh, I was living. I was living my full fantasy. I loved it. Well, I mean, I was just excited to be out, uh, the idea of being outside or in a theme park anywhere um, <laughs> under any kind. But I remember. Sorry. Except, <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, well, I was gonna say. It, it, I was gonna say, except uh, you know, mankind, fake mankind's experience in Disney World felt like what Disney World would be like now, which is like no one around. <laughs> it's just you're just wandering the empty streets of disney world like going from ride to ride like really quiet. it had a real yeah it had a real quarantine vibe to it well, even though i don't know if disney world is still in quarantine or not they weren't last i heard there's definitely something to being in um the disney or the universal parks like after dark like the like post illuminations time like the fireworks show has already gone off but you still want to get a few more rides in there's kind of there's there's a seediness to it that seeps out that isn't there in the light of day i buy that i buy that a lot bobby i i I have to say my my two favorite sitcom episodes are the halloween episode and the episode where where the family goes to disney world doesn't matter what the show is. I'm there 100%. Yes, Michelle, rub the genie's lamp, even though it was Stephanie's turn in the line. Okay, yes, hot Steve playing Indiana Jones in this. <laughs> I 
<laughs> come on come on um i love yeah i fucking love that shit and so i loved this shit so much i mean i i mean i i didn't i wouldn't consider myself a theme park person but like i don't know if it's this moment in time we're living in or what but i also have like a very vivid memory of when universal studios first opened because i was alive for it but young um young very young remember so my aunt had went and had basically like camcord vcr like uh vhs video camcorder handheld like recorded basically the experience of being on most of the rides and i remember being a kid and like like this is sort of like very like pre like very uh meta beta youtube you know what i mean just like watching someone else ride this ride basically um, through shitty, shaky camera footage. So I recognize a lot of those rides from this segment. I did go in real life also, but I feel like I relate to them more seeing them through the uh, camcorder. Bobby, my uh, my family went to a family wedding where the kids were not invited in Orlando, Florida, and it was like right when Universal Studio opened, and my aunt brought the camcorder onto all of the rides at Universal Studios, and we watched that, ta- that tape at least eight times when I was young. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Right? And thinking about it, because like, I did that, of course, I guess we a lot of us did that, and I like, didn't think anything of it, but in retrospect, it is insane. Like, it is it's so weird. weird. It is like like children of the corn weird it is a weird thing to do like no and father my rather... family <laughs> my family i don't if they did if they did go to universal or disney world at least they had the good sense not to mention it around me but also like nobody ever even had a camcorder like i you know like the the, the most recent use of a camcorder i can think of from you know gr- sort of growing up is like my brother had a camcorder um, and probably still does, but like he had a camcorder for, you know, like his children's birthdays, but this was, you know, when I was in my twenties. So like, I don't think anybody in my family, let alone bring a camcorder into a theme park. I don't think my family went to theme parks. I don't, they certainly were not like, let me, uh, memorialize this experience. And then the rest of my family wasn't like, let's all sit around and watch this. It's just, it's such a funny thing because you've decided to have a markedly less good time at the theme park by watching it all through a viewfinder, just so that you and your family can have a mildly good time watching it later. Mildly good time is truly an overstatement. Like, (laughs) It is. It, it it is like merely. I can't even explain it. It's like watching like a like a like something for school. Like a something uh-huh. you would watch like in, in elementary school to be like, and this is how the Constitution was made, but not like in a fun way. Just like I want to watch this and observe it and understand what the steps are and be like, yep, and that is what that ride is. Like that is how they translated that film into a ride, indeed. And then that's it. It's not fun. It's not exciting. And also, don't forget that at this point, camcorders aren't cheap. They're kind of expensive, and you're on a fucking roller coaster. Like, <laughs> talk about the, most, like, the whole thing. For what? For what? Yeah, so anyway, that's what this all reminded me of very much, was watching, like, I, like, had, like, sense memory to not being on the ride, like, Earthquake Escape from Los Angeles, or whatever the fuck it was, but to being in my aunt's living room in New Jersey, watching a video of it happening. So now to get to to the wrestling of it all. Oh, right. (laughs) Okay, okay, sure. So did Triple H and Stephanie send fake Mankind to Universal Studios? And a film crew? Because Stephanie asks, 
what is Mick Foley doing in Orlando? Mind you, the fact that she has police officers surrounding the arena right now to prevent the real Mick Foley from coming in there. Is she that committed to this bit that, yes, this is the real Mick Foley. We've given him a film crew. He's part of the show, but he's at Universal Studios right now. Oh, yeah, she's 100% committed to that bit because aren't they committed to the bit of, guys, we're fair. We're always fair. Uh, I had my fingers crossed. We're lying. We're not going to be fair. Like, it's like, yeah, that's all this family does, right? Is like, is just like pretend to not know things that they've set up themselves. And well, and in the same segment, we get a little bit more of Stephanie just straight up lying. As Tori comes in, she's got the shits. <laughs> oh my God. Tori's she was go. shitting so much. She's she had to right shit. Now. So bad. Goes into the bathroom and then Road Dog comes in. Where's Hunter? I was like, oh, he's changing in the bathroom. Opens the door and sees Tori just shitting all over the place. Just, just, oh, just like white knuckling on the side, like holding the the sink for for, uh, support. I see. I've got a new gimmick for Tori. All right. Because she's already with Kane. So you got some burning, then some frequent urination. So I think I'm going to dub her you Tori. (laughs) That's good. That's pretty good. (laughs) She's like, I need to use your personal bathroom. Oh, of course. Of course, use my bathroom. Of course. I was like, this is a very normal human conversation that adult women have all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when one's wearing a skin tight pleather dress. All of the stalls in in this arena are completely full. Just imagine Tori like running around the mezzanine of the Barclays, like all around the entire <laughs> circumference, checking everyone, toddling in those heels and that little tiny like skin tight dress she could barely move in, being like her, Hello, her hands, her hands just clutching her stomach the entire time. Cold this sweat is dripping. This her is face. coming out of me soon. Is she just, is she like having her pre match chili every day? <laughs> just like. <laughs> like uh, Kane's like, you, you may want to lay off that. And she's like, oh, come on. It's pretty good. I made a whole batch. Uh, more on that later. Mr. Ass's handicap match with the Acolytes ends in the crowd after Road Dog runs in to help him out. And then we get the payoff where Kane comes in and wants a match with that pervert road dog now. And if Mr. Ass interferes, he will be fired. Sure. We've got the match between road dog and Kane where um, Michael Cole and King are very against blind, unconditional love. Yeah, fair. You know. Look, uh, Michael Cole got very emotionally invested in the last love story, and he's not ready to make himself vulnerable again. He still ships <laughs> Testiphany. Test- <laughs> yeah. Testiphany. Yeah, if, if Test and Steph couldn't make it work in this crazy world, you know, what the fuck chance do Kane and Tori have? Very true. Very true. Um, this match is, is far too long, though, for what should be just a, a straight-up Kane squash match. And then Tori basically orgasms in the ring watching Road Dog lose. Right. The, the, use of, the use of Tori over the next couple episodes is uh, baffling at best, I'd say. And the use of Tori over the preceding episodes and 
most of the time that we've seen her has been baffling at best to say. <laughs> I, yes, I agree. But but there is there are specific things where I'm just kind of like, like even even as bad as the things that they've had set up. There are times where they set something up and I'm like, oh, well, I know how this is going to go. And then they just don't show it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, there's, okay. There's one thing in particular I know what you're talking about yes. that I really am looking forward to, to to picking apart with you guys. But before that, The Rock is here to face Kurt Angle, who is still uh, who is still undefeated. Before that, though, fake mankind is fake terrified on the fake Jaws ride. LOL. Loved it. The only other people we see in these uh, in these um, segments. That, and those people were probably like, wait, do I have to ride in a boat with Midian? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, they're like, Mom, can we have Mankind? We have Mankind at home. <laughs> the Mankind at home is Midian. <laughs> Rock vs. Kurt Angle, though. Kurt thinks he should be the people's champion, as he is an Olympic gold medal winner. The Rock, though, notices the gold medals and has a thing or two to say about what he should do with them. I thought he should have gone in the direction, of course he says, you know, you should do something special with those medals. I thought he could have gone in the direction of, where did you win those medals? It doesn't matter where you won them. I don't know. You know, something different. But this one doesn't last long. The Rock is winded up being DQ'd for using Blackman's kendo stick on Kurt Angle, and Angle's win streak continues. I have a question about this, by the way. Um, so one of the things we've noticed from the uh, McMahon-Helmsley era is um, Helm uh, Triple H is not very um, shy about stipulating the terms of matches. So why hasn't he caught he's the game right so why hasn't he caught on and just put kurt angle in a no dq match well he's he's very busy adopting a, a fake asian accent and uh what who, who his next character is going to be hindsight 2020 right. monday morning quarterback etc etc <laughs> tuesday right, right. tuesday morning quarterback Back in Universal Studios mankind wants to ride the woody woodpecker roller coaster but is denied by a young Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> it looked speaking just of, like him. Speaking of young, who was filming Mankind? Because it looked like a 10-year-old from the, uh, from the, from the, the, angle. the angle of the... Yeah, it was just like somebody who came in on their knees and was just like, Hey guys, what you doing? And then back at the arena... Um, we, we come in on a match that we didn't watch where uh, Triple H and Stephanie is meant to say something up the lines of, uh, man, Tess beating Big Boss Man. That's quite an upset. Is that an upset? Yeah, I don't know. There was also a point in the homework where Tess, I guess, won the Hardcore Championship. And I was like, what the fuck? Tess is a Hardcore Tess uh, guy? With that glass nose? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every match ends with someone throwing a football in his face. Yeah, truly. It could not be less hardcore. That pretty blonde hair, the glass <laughs> nose, literally Marsha Brady walking around? Come on. Then Mick tries to ride, or Mick again, air quotes, uh, tries to ride the Back to the Future ride, which was a great ride. 
totally great. I, I mean, I, I mean, I loved it on video. Know. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, can you guys get the videos? Because uh, I'd love to actually see what they these have things the, I like, missed. Was. If you think I haven't gotten stoned and watched the equivalent of the mod, because I haven't been to a Disney in like twenty plus years. But I, I definitely have in I would say probably over the course of this pandemic gotten high and put on like um Disney roller coaster first person perspective videos. And I recommend <laughs> okay, all but of I'll, you do too. <laughs> but also what haven't you gotten high and put on? I feel like I'm running out <laughs> this is a I'm running out of content is really the problem. <laughs> right. This is where we find out Bobby's become a flat earther because the uh the algorithm is just like there's nothing left. We have to t- we have to give him this other shit. He's just yeah, watched the internet. It's Young Rock or the Plandemic at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> by by the way, one thing I was curious about um, before there was okay. So I forget. I think it was when um, Mankind was trying to ride the 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 Woody Woodpecker ride. The there was a security guy, right? And the mm-hmm. security guy was like trying to stop him and say like, "You can't ride. You can't come on this ride." And then like he uh, Mankind escapes. And the security guy talks into his into his walkie-talkie, and he says, "We have a large masked guest with a coin." Because he tried to bribe him before. He tried that. to bribe that him. Was, yeah, that was the. Oh, uh... I was like, "What the fuck? Was it a challenge coin or what the fuck?" <laughs> I could see though uh, the McMahon Helmsley era handing out challenge coins for sure. Right. It's a. It's it's a test getting his nose broken. So then back in the arena, Stephanie slams down a chair to get everyone's attention in the bingo hall. Stephanie gushes about Triple H for a while. Um, I noticed during this, though, like the camera's kind of going around to different wrestlers, and it focuses on Edge for just a second, and he gets a huge pop from inside the arena. Yeah, they. Lo- I mean, they're, the Hardys and Edge of Christian right now are huge. Like I, uh, I as I was watching this in real time, they were my. I mean, I, they're the best. They're they were the coolest and most exciting to watch. Over as hell, over as hell. So they've got the bingo tumbler with a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of balls in it. And actually, Bobby, if you're looking for some content, my new favorite thing to watch on Instagram is uh, get what you get videos from tattoo parlors where they have like the machines that you would see at uh the supermarket where you'd put in the coins and you'd get like a toy inside but whatever tattoo design you get in there they tattoo on you whoa is this this is the new ink master that's intense i didn't i don't understand why this tumbler they were using was full of partially with bingo balls and partially with trader joe's cups cups. like i don't understand yeah why were they using cups i was like are there samples of corn chatter in that what am i looking at what (laughs) why what 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 happened here what what is that they were like okay we we need to like make this look like there's more balls in here than there is but also it needs to (laughs) but also we needed to sound all like plastic what do you got we got these little cups it's like great throw them in it's like take them from crafty like those those are for ranch y'all like what are you doing (laughs) and the story that they're supposed to be telling i guess is that the fix was in that um triple h had it chosen that he was going to get a softball opponent but he opens up the first one he's got andre the giant and the second one was mula then fink knocks over the thing and pulls out the rikishi ball i don't understand what the plan was immediately 
arguably there was no plan because this, this is such a long segment for not a lot of payoff. Because they could have, uh, like, uh, in world rules, you know, in kayfabe, if they were going to get onto the giant, be like, great, um, I, I win, count out, or like, mm-hmm. or got Mula, good, stick with Mula, you know what I mean, pin Mula. Yeah. Uh, so I, right. It's he's he's trying to be a heel, right? He's supposed to be a heel. So why is he? They're like the the game was the game. The game mm-hmm. was where we're fair. We say we're fair, but then we're not. But then it's now. Oh, but but by the way, we are fair sometimes. I don't. Yeah, I don't really follow. Either way, Rikishi is going to be in the main event against Triple H. Back at Universal Studios, though, the real Mick Foley has found the fake man, Mick Foley, and goes ham on him in a very, very satisfying way. How does that scene not be, like, not have the status of the Spider-Man spotting (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man? I mean, I think that's our new job. Oh, I already already screenshot it, guys. Excellent. Don't worry. Excellent. So then, Triple H versus Rikishi, hell fucking yeah. I mean, I I put it in the homework that you didn't have to watch the whole thing, but I watched every minute of this match. I am so pumped with Rikishi. Yeah, he was he was so over. He was so over with the crowd. Well, he's great. I mean, like, look how good he is. Like, he's just so good. Like, he just the way he moves is so smooth, and he's a big man, but he's agile as fuck, and he's like doing really really cool things it's like literally he is truly uh as if you uh smushed together otis and the usos you know like that that's the that's that's the move set it's awesome bobby uh bobby texted me yesterday asking me about a segment that he couldn't find in the homework turns out it was from a, a different episode because the wwe network is again a horribly designed app and very very hard to navigate and i myself accidentally skipped to other episodes of raw as i was trying to watch things for this but then i just spent the entire rest of the night he was asking me about a, a rikishi beatdown that we didn't see i spent the, the a few hours there just thinking man Rikishi's the fucking best and wound up texting you I think at like midnight being like I can't wait to talk about Rikishi tomorrow Rikishi is so good so good um and this was a great match what a great this was great booking man even though it wasn't it was kind of like crazy to get there like this was uh you know an up-and-comer like getting uh an opportunity and making the most of it Mm -hmm. yeah it was real fun yeah everyone makes out great in this match also, I gotta say, fucking, I'm on board for Too Cool now. Okay. They're super supportive. <laughs> they are so supportive. I love watching the three of them dance. I I want dancing Rikishi Santa Claus for <laughs> my house. Like, just watching them do that fucking, that, that choreographed dance was the best. There's also a sign uh, that in the crowd that said... Uh, Rikishi, back that ass up. And I'm like, I hear you, man. Back that ass up, Rikishi. Yes, do that. You can get it. Yes, back it up, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) January 10th, the locker room, led by Bob Holly, makes its way to the ringside. 
And we're talking the whole locker room here, which when we get to the meat of it, doesn't completely make sense. I feel like there should have been a few holdouts there, but I guess the the complete solidarity is the picture they're going through. And looking at that locker room, Bobby, I don't know if you had the, the same feeling as I did about, holy shit, there is a lot of talent here. Like, there's like four people I would cut from that roster but to for something that I consider like perfect, but also you kind of need them to, to let the other one shine. Exactly. But if you look at, but like looking around that ring, I'm like, oh, I can name every single person here. I can like mm-hmm. tell you like what their deal is. I mm-hmm. I watch wrestling week to week. And when they put the whole um, roster on like the top of the ramp, uh, some of those people I can't keep track of. They're all the same. Like they all start to kind of like blend together. Um, cause yeah. they're all kind of like generic and they're all athletic and they're all accomplished and they've all got hearts of gold or whatever. And it's like, they all just sort of, sort of blur into each other. Um, I miss having like the care, like we talked about this, I think with the, one of the tag team matches, like the characters and like the mm-hmm. really distinct personalities. And, you know, we've been talking a lot lately in these deep dives about like everybody having purpose and everybody being affected in the greater story and all that stuff, the ben- like the payoff is then you get to have like a deep, deep roster that where people have connections to lots of people, and it just makes the you know your your playset all the more you know fun, <laughs> all the more effective, and able to you know you put put more pieces uh, in different places. So even when you have a boss man or a black man or the Mean Street Posse, I may not like them, but I know what they're doing right now i know what their individual stories are and i know how they fit into the grand scheme of what the wwf is building to at this point it's just crazy even even if even if they're not you know as you said before it doesn't really make sense that they're supporting mcfoley by all coming out like the alignment of that doesn't make a lot of sense but yes go on sorry no uh and and i you got to do a lot of work in your head here, but I guess you can get to the point and the rock is going to come out and he's going to talk about how they're all here in support of Mick Foley and his firing. But I guess the idea is that if um, Hunter and Stephanie can fire Mick Foley, who's super popular, super over with the crowd can threaten to fire the rock that it could happen to any of them. And I think that that just that little bit more bit of uh of development there would make the whole thing a little bit more cohesive and come together a little bit yeah just say it just take take two seconds to say it you know instead of giving instead of like basically handing the promo over to the rock the whole way have like you know one or two guys that are in the ring with the rock and and are notably not on the side of mick you know just one guy to say you know what? We've had our problems, but you know, if one of us falls, all of us fall. So that kind of thing. Yeah. Everyone goes around and reads a letter about how their how their behavior has affected them. <laughs> <laughs> As all of the wrestlers are, are coming out, we it cuts back to DX and they just do the confused gesture, which is them extending their arms as far as they can towards the TV with a look like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah, they they look the way I used to try to look when I would go to like a Super Bowl party before I was watching football, and I'd be like, <laughs> "That that call's ridiculous, <laughs> right, guys? Wasn't that ridiculous? Tell me, you you agree, or uh, maybe maybe it made sense? I don't know. Validate me, validate me, please. I need to feel smart. 
I'm watching sports <laughs> and I'm into the sports. DX are guys who are really funny at parties, but now they're in UCB 201 with when that was a thing. Uh, and so they're trying to be like, now they're trying to learn like theory and like put on, try to act. And this is what we're getting. Like, this is them being like, okay, okay. Top of your intelligence, Billy, you can do this. <laughs> the TV, the TV is confusing you with your arms out. Get the confusion. You want information. <laughs> uh, by the way, I just want to say, they have all of the wrestlers out there. Just go one step further. Ask for health insurance. Ask for the rights to your to your likenesses and your names, your yeah. literal birth names, so that you can use them in other areas and, and profit off of them. Yeah, we want you to reinstate McFoley. We want this eight-man tag match, and we want to be able to partner with third parties on social media. I definitely, right, and we, and we, want, we want a minimum wage that rises with inflation. None of this fucking tied to one number bullshit. I definitely have in my notes collective action, yes, but let's go further. <laughs> yeah you don't want to you, you don't want to scab right uh mean street posse don't cross that picket line so their three demands are to bring back mick foley which they agree to but not because you told me to no more your fired matches and in fact no more firings at all without just do which, really, they could have just done that one without including the firing matches, but I guess they wanted to have three out there for rule of three. Mick Foley's music hits, Big Pop, and Mick challenges Triple H for the title at the Royal Rumble. Not to be outshined, well, The Rock announces that he will be in the Royal Rumble match. So, at what point was it Mick who says that he wanted to put on a hell of a show? Mm-hmm. So that's the lead into what I consider to be in in this week's homework the uh, the finest display of uh, oratorship uh, to come out yet, which is Triple H saying, "A hell of a show is not your job to come up with." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Didn't you want to take a beat, buddy? Like, it's. <laughs> It's a, it's a hell. It's with which a hell of a show is not your job to come up. For whom the show of hell shall be created for this? <laughs> it fucking tickled me. <laughs> I love it when Eric is like genuinely tickled by something, <laughs> like all, when all the cinema, cynicism is just stripped away. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. This that's that laugh is usually reserved for like dogs doing funny things on videos or like babies and shit. Oh my god. Uh, But as Eric alluded to, now it's the good guys' turn to book. We're gonna have a new age outlaw versus a new age outlaw. We're gonna have X Pac versus Triple H, and it cuts back to X Pac who was feeling it when they announced that. We're going to have then as the main event DX versus the Acolytes and the Rock and Sock connection, at which point Mick is literally jumping for joy, puts his arm around the Rock, who immediately shrugs him off in a perfect segment. 
I just wish the rock would accept some sort of some form of of affection. It always bothers me how fucking cool he has to be. So DX is in turmoil backstage, which led to a a, a moment that tickled me, where Road Dog says, "Let him walk out. We're the ones who are talented. We can do a two hour show ourselves. Now we have to fight each <laughs> other." <laughs> What does he think a two-hour show of just them is going to be if not them fighting each other? I guess we're going to have some more DX Productions. DX Productions presents. Not a film. (laughs) They had to do it in 18 parts so that they can keep re-rolling the credits. I mean, look, given that it's a Triple H production... Like, we know that, that editing is not his strong suit, so they possibly could put on a show for two hours, and it's just, like, one match. And they can put on a show, because that Road Dog versus Mr. Ass match was pretty good. Uh, Road Dog pins him clean in their match. But then we go backstage where Mankind has tied up fake Mankind. Uh, real Mankind is doing some uh, some twisted shit and laughing in his face. Um much like a young Cruella DeVille. Topical. Trailer drop today. Man. Cruella to Joker. <laughs> yeah, not does not I would say that does not look fun. <laughs> or like, I guess actually that's I take that back. It does look fun. It does look stupid. I, I will mean, pay twenty dollars to watch it, like as soon as it comes out or whatever I have to do. Sure, take it. Whatever. However much it costs, I'll pay it. What how much? A hundred dollars? Great. <laughs> I can just <laughs> I can have one Still... less candle. <laughs> <laughs> still be cheaper than a night at the alamo draft house oh my god i mean just tickets alone come on guys <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm not gonna I, i'm gonna watch it i'm going to enjoy it but not for the reasons that the producers intended right i'm gonna be arch about how i appreciate this movie <laughs> well nathan and i are already starting to plan how drunk we need to get to watch the snyder cut like we're like okay so should we start drinking the day before like I don't oh my god understand. oh my god <laughs> i i kept i cannot believe how excited to watch a thing that's four hours long that i know that i am going to hate yeah i feel oh, like yeah. i feel like i'm i'm eric and i have a box set of the newsroom in front of me yeah, oh yes. man yeah, I definitely – I think we decided we have to have Bloody Marys because it has to be something we can start drinking early because there's just no way we'll be able to get drunk enough to be able to get to the movie. Do you think – do you think you'll make it through the whole movie? Like, if, I, like I'm just wondering, like, from a, uh, uh, an intoxication level – No, it's a good question. Good you question. might fall asleep partway through. No, it's a good question. Thank you for that. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, it may have to be in multiple pieces. I mean, to this day, I have not gotten through the regular cut of – the released <laughs> cut of Justice League – Without same, asleep. same. I have, and that's not a joke. I have literally tried to watch it multiple times, and multiple times cannot make it through it. Cannot make it through. I'll, it. I'll go one step bit better. I haven't made it through any of the DC movies from this, like this universe. Awake. I even Aquaman, which was supposed to be good. Actually, okay, sorry, I did make it. I was awake through Wonder Woman. Yeah, I did but, the Wonder Woman. Uh, but Aquaman could not stay awake. Same. Uh, Justice League could not stay awake. Batman versus Superman could not stay awake. Same. Maybe, maybe Man of Steel. Maybe I was able to stay awake. I don't remember. I only saw Man of Steel. Do you remember Eric? Did you used to get uh, Eric? Aaron, did you used to get your haircut at that guy's place in Sunset Park when it was still on Thirty Six? Oh yeah, Street? yeah, yeah. 
mm-hmm. when they used to just play movies, not, when they had the old shitty place by that Green Fig Cafe. Um, yeah, they'd play bootleg movies and they had the uh, the painting of the dog on the wall. Yeah, the Superman uh, Man of Steel was definitely like in heavy rotation there. I feel like I saw it like I I saw it over like uh, five different like over four months, but I think I saw it eventually uh, in, in disjointed pieces. I <laughs> um okay I actually that. I actually like Man of Steel. I'm okay saying that. I think it's it's I think it's a cool sci-fi movie, but a bad Superman movie. Okay. I mean, everything's just bleak and yeah. boring. I don't, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not into it. it yeah, I think at the time I was like, "Oh, this is fun," and then as as that that worldview developed, I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be awful." <laughs> well, now and now it just got I mean, it's just gotten worse. I mean, when Jared Leto showed up, it's like, "Oh boy, forget it, forget it, kids, <laughs> we're done here." Um, yeah, so this looks particularly I would, awful. I would almost rather have hot coffee dripped on my head than watch those movies. Excellent. Segue. Oh, back to the what material. a coincidence. Mankind wow. is backstage dripping hot coffee in his version of the Chinese water torture on fake mankind. And we know it's hot because JR says it's hot. Then we've got Triple H versus X Pac winds up uh, Stephanie shakes X Pac's foot so that he falls on his dick and Triple H wins. I think it's a mistake for yeah. X-Pac to have such a dick-forward offense. You know what I mean? It seems to be, like, <laughs> a very soft yes. part to be, like, hitting people with a lot. You know what I mean? And, that, like, I know I know, it's, it's not always soft, but as someone who's hit with a hard part version of it all the time, it's not that effective. So you might as well keep it protected. Don't go throwing it around so much. He needs to talk to D'Lo and get a cod piece made out of the vest material. Indeed. Indeed. Why not make the whole wrestler out of the best material? <laughs> Is this your method, Eric? <laughs> Did you have that one written down? <laughs> I'll never tell. So Mankind uh, is thinking about untying Dennis Knight. And then, Bobby, did you see it? The ad for WWF New York? Oh, my God. I sure did. Yeah, I th- uh, I mean, honestly, it just made me think of our conversations on on this on this podcast about it. Man, yeah, nostalgic for something I never got. Yeah, I really, I mean, I would if that place still existed. I mean, we would go all the time, right? Like, we would literally mm-hmm. go all the time. I don't even care that's in Times Square. We would truly. I I, I think I would go there at least. I would say at least monthly, if not. Um, more frequently than monthly. Like, go there for every pay-per-view. <laughs> I would for sure be every day trying to host a comedy show there or, like, a wrestling bingo or something. I would be, like, I would be on it. Um, I would be determined to make that my home. And I'm sure the food is fucking inedible. I actually wonder if they use Dennis Knight's recipes. But I can only imagine it was, like, it's a... The it's the no-bake cookies. It's the Viscera no-bake cookies. It's the same chef as the Alamo Draft House, probably. Man, Alamo Draft House getting no love. <laughs> Except their queso. Their queso's good. All right, so now we definitely have to talk about this. So Mankind has left fake Mankind in the room, tells him not to leave, then runs into Tori. Um, and I had a lot of feelings on this segment. So talks about how much he loves Tori's boobs and the things that he wants to do with her, smacks her on the ass and tells her that she'll he'll be in dressing room 3. Um thus yes. setting 
fake mankind up from attack from Kane is clearly what is intimated, but never happens. Yeah, never delivered on. Yeah, was it like cut for time? Is this like uh like the way they do SNL sketches? They're like, uh, we don't need this one. I actually don't know. I don't have that like as a historical footnote, but I also found it weird that they never we never got to see the visual payoff. If they thought that maybe that that the joke was just enough. Mm-hmm. I wondered. I wondered. I'm like, well, the thing is, I you know that is a thing I thought about, but I was like, wrestling never does that. They're never like, and you know what followed. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're always just like, cannot wait to show you what followed. <laughs> this is the thing that you're anticipating. We're going to show it to you every moment of it. Some people show, some people tell. WWF shows, tells, shows again on a repeat immediately after the commercial bait. And then they make a package. And then they show you what they showed you for the next three weeks. So what did you guys feel about this? Because in the end, I found was like okay with this, even though McFoley, again, one of our guys acting gross to a woman. Yeah, this is hard. Because what they want you to do, like what they're selling is... Tori is bad and so it's okay to like exploit her trauma is <laughs> like what that's like the the hypothesis they have um but and we've been like rewarded with dopamine for Tori's humiliation before mm-hmm. so they've been they, the, this tracks with how they've been like training us to respond to her but if you step back like you said they kind of like think about it like actually what's happening you're like oh this is this is fucked up mm-hmm. yeah well, it's that, and also it's it's like, um, you know, Tori's situation, especially <clears throat> the fact that it's like, you know, whatever happens to Tori, Kane's going to, you know, be following afterwards. Is it's kind of that like, um, like uh, the things that Coy- that that Wiley Coyote gets from Acme, right? Where you're like. You know, you see him setting it up, and then you're like, "Well, how is it gonna? You know, how's it going to to uh, fail on the coyote?" So it, it's kind of a, a similar thing where it's like the, <clears throat> I guess, the anticipation of what you know is going to happen is the game, um, and it doesn't matter that Tori is just a pawn in this. Um, but like, I, I mean, aside from that part, the way that that like mankind was involved in that kind of i've been watching a lot of happy endings recently and it reminded me of of the couple times that they show um adam pally's character trying to pretend to be a straight guy Hmm. where it's like oh hey tori haven't seen you around with your boobs that feel great on my straight male hands like it was (laughs) Very, there was so, you know, it was so like overtly non-sexual in that trying to be sexual way. Yeah, it's, it's tough to picture Mick Foley fucking for sure. Or, or also being like lascivious Mm -hmm. or like anything but polite. Yeah, for sure. Main event, Triple H comes out, then Road Dog, then Mr. S, then X-Pac. Then the Acolytes come out, and every time the Acolytes come out, I'm just reminded just how fucking cool they are, and we are less than a month away from Final Form Acolytes. Like, they're almost there. But we're in a pretty good spot. Like, they're they're over as fuck right now. Hell yeah. Um, And so I think, like, we're in a, like, 
now that's all that's left is like the the window dressing. Like the characters are there; mm-hmm. they just needed the the look and the music, kind of like Bailey. You know what I mean? There was like a while where she was like, "I'm doing this new character, but I look exactly the same, and it doesn't quite make sense." But bear with yeah. me while they design a new outfit. Um, yeah. That's kind of like what I feel like. Where the acolytes really like, oh, we're fully playing completely different characters now, but we mm-hmm. just have not changed um, our like. We haven't just get like new gear yet. <laughs> so are they? What's their alignment? Are they like tweeners? Yeah. Literally. Yeah, they're okay. they're yeah. equal opportunity ass kickers, right? They just seem like they seem like they basically just live in Roadhouse. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, that's the it, yes, it's awesome. <laughs> You're like <laughs> it, it's it's both the most obvious, but also like perfect wrestling gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I'm a guy who fucking loves to fight. You're like oh okay great you're in the you came to the right place (laughs) it's so funny it's so funny because we just said goodbye to like lod and they're basically their their characters are what lod like really was yeah Mm. yeah yeah that's a really good point they, but the, the, yeah, the, there is like the whole class of guys of wrestlers that are these like literal tough guys, like literal people that will beat the shit out of you, tough guys, like hardcore Holly, yeah, yeah, like like people that are like, oh, I will actually just for real beat the shit out of you, like on the street if I had to. Uh, Steve Blackman, <laughs> but definitely Bradshaw and uh, Ron Simmons here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the match is cool. D-Generation X refuses a tag. Billy Gunn gives the finger. They all get out of there. And everyone else leaves except for Mick. Um, that fucking pedigree at the end. This shit is just... yeah. Honestly, I did not need three more episodes to be sold on You Should Watch the Royal Rumble. I yeah, was already there. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I'm here. Fully. Well... No, no, no. I will. I here's my my um <clears throat> my response to that. I agree. I you know this episode because like that bell shot. Like you know, usually the bell shot is like is fine. It doesn't sell me that much, but they sold the shit out of that bell shot. Um, and I think this was was this the one where where um uh, where Mick was bloody at the end of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super great. I I I agree with you that what followed like that like if they if this had been the go home show i would have had no notes i would have been like yes let's do this let's watch royal rumble but uh what comes after this uh is kind of exciting in its own way oh. so i think the it- development of of Mick Foley makes it worth it for the remaining episodes i i 100% agree with you eric because i think that the little bits of heightening that they do make it to to a fever pitch like i wanted to throw on the 2000 royal rumble yesterday when i finished watching this um same just just saying that they've done their work they've got us there and everything from this point is icing on the cake so if we go to the january 13th now we've got the bad guys in control again um triple h apologizes uh to dx the New Age Outlaws are in handicap matches against the Acolytes. Triple H and X-Pac will face the Big Show and The Rock. Um, fake Mick comes out again, and that was kind of when I realized, huh, we never really did get to see Kane destroy him, but he's apparently still there. And so then 
Mick Foley comes out and Mick Foley reveals that Triple H will not be facing mankind and he is wearing the Cactus Jack shirt underneath. And that fucking callback to Madison Square Garden for um, from Raw from 1997, just that look on Triple H's face anytime he realizes that he's facing Cactus Jack is one of my favorite things in wrestling full stop. Yeah, I'm so excited for this match. So I'm just like very yeah. excited. Like, this was all this like, I was like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, I mean, it's funny because I, you know, just, uh, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, I remember being like, man, I was, you know, like I love Mick, but, you know, I was getting like diminishing returns with Mick's matches or whenever I saw Mick wrestle. I loved, you know, whenever he showed up in a promo, but I wasn't really getting the same dopamine hit uh, from, you know, from watching him wrestle because it was just a lot of like, you know, just brawly stuff, but not very, I don't know, just w- wasn't hitting the way it used to. Um, and it's hitting again. It's like he completely refreshed everything for me, and now I'm super into it. We also, on this episode, um, after the New Age Outlaws beat Bradshaw in their handicap match, get to see uh, Baby Coach in there interviewing The Rock. That was great. A lot of fun with that. Got his initiation. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, I, I don't know if I know Coach. Is he, like, still performing? He's still doing now, you know, play, uh, in WWF? Jonathan Coachman, Eric, he um, would go on to be uh, an ESPN personality as well. Um, he's, oh. yeah, he's has a, a commentating career that goes beyond WWF. Oh, cool. You would know him if the, you saw um, him, I think. Probably the, uh, the, you know, the, the thing with the rock, you know, giving him the whole, it doesn't matter where you got the name coach. Uh, the rocks, the rocks promos are starting to kind of wear thin on me. I don't know if it's just me, you know, but like, I think I was kind of talking about this with friend of the pod, Joe, and just kind of like wondering, uh, the more I see The Rock's promos, especially in the last bit of homework, the more it just starts becoming like there's no – like they're, they're intrinsically empty promos for the most part. I mean sometimes mm-hmm. he talks about who he's going to face and what they're going to get. But like if you remove The Rock from half of uh, – from like everything he's saying, half – you know, half of what he says makes no sense. It's but- just kind of like – that's like you know, Austin absurdist though, too. things, but Austin's promos got like that eventually too, where eventually they just trot them out to say they're to like literally string together other words to merely facilitate the next catchphrase. And it just yes. is truly like going from like one catchphrase to the next and who cares what's in between. And again, buckle up big guy, because that <laughs> is like it, it gets, that gets worse, not better. I find and it, and it's a constant thing. I think it happens to with wrestling too. Like once something works, they just beat it into the fucking ground and unless yeah, it's you're... goose 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 exactly but i think that there's like you can see the folks who are good at and who can um like i think the new day was like that for a while but i think the mm-hmm. new day um ascended beyond that um because they were given more creative control um mm-hmm. so they were yes. able to but the folks that i think are still like relying on heavily scripted things are probably being uh, having a lot of catchphrases shoved down their throats that because they'll sell a lot of t-shirts 
and I think yeah. a lot of your uh, fatigue on this is also just a um, an effect of the way that we're watching this also as well. True. So when yeah. in in 1999 and 2000, when Bobby and I were watching The Rock from week to week, we went about our lives in between, and when we were checking back in with our friends, he's like, "Oh, he's still saying that funny shit that makes me laugh." We were going to movies. Yeah. We were watching <laughs> videotapes of roller coasters. Of other people's experiences on roller coasters. We, we were holding lives. hands. 1999 was a different world, my friends. Also, 2019 was a different world, my friends. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like to like finish that whole thing with if you smell what the rock is cooking. I'm like, okay, but like, what exactly was you know what why are what is that ending supposed to signify compared to what you just said? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, and now it's time for the part where I say the, the line I'm supposed to say. It's almost like... I maybe, didn't do it. The Rock, think of The Rock. The Rock's, all his problems are essentially a roast battle. The problem is like that mm-hmm. usually no one can come, come close to him in a roast battle. So it just feels like he's just fucking stomping them to death. And that's what these problems are. It's just like he's, all his promos are just a roast battle. And it's just about being like, yeah, he comes on, he's cocky because he's going to win. And like, that's his one thing. He's not like, well, this one really matters because of this. And this one is because you fed me my dog. It's like The Rock doesn't need that. The Rock is like, I just, I'm such a cocky motherfucker that like anyone wants to try to step to me and like no one has a chance and I'm going to eviscerate them both like verbally and physically. Yeah, I well, mean. that's I, I think he, that, that's my problem. Is is not that okay? I'm not I'm not expecting him to say like, oh, this is a hard one. Like, I'm this is what I'm really worried about. I'm fine with his with that being his choice, right? Being like, I'm super cocky and I will eviscerate everybody. But I guess what I'm saying is like, there's not as much as evisceration as we're led to believe, oh, or you well, know, yeah. like there was I mean, a lot of yeah, there was a lot of evisceration, and then it started becoming like. Oh, okay. Well, I pr- I I proved my my bona fides earlier, I mean, so now I can just say some shit, and it doesn't matter if I say anything about the other person. I mean, everything is on a curve here. I mean, ain't nobody winning a Mark Twain prize in this crew. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, there's no members of the Algonquin Roundtable that are here for us. Uh, I, I think we're never gonna get. I, I that level of that like the most literary witticism I think we get is Mick Foley. Uh, yeah, or there's few and far between. So I don't know. I I agree. I don't. It's not that I disagree with you, but I feel like you might be looking for for something that just ain't gonna be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, look. Uh, the if there's one thing I don't like, it's repetition. So you you're, know, you're in the wrong. I, I know sport it's my problem. I know. I know. <laughs> Well, if you want to get something different, Big Show also offers a whole bunch of different promos on these episodes. No. I think that there uh, were I think yeah. there were literal crickets in the arena after each and every one of them. Woof. He's so boring. He's so mm-hmm. fucking boring. But oh my god, wait. I don't know how much uh I forget. I, my notes are very sparse for as we get later in the homework, but I cannot wait for um for the this one particular part so i'll just hold off <laughs> okay i'll kind of uh breeze through this episode because it's not a very consequential one there's a yep. whole lot of talk backstage about where's x-pac and then it's oh here he is as though they're trying to like kind of build up <laughs> as though they're trying to build up kind of like oh is he going to show up for the main event or not and then it's just like oh yeah he is 
He uh, did. Oh, good. Uh oh, X Pac got up at the crawl space again. <laughs> it's like it's like Blues Clues, but for WWF. It's like, can you find can you find uh, X Pac? Where is he? You got X Pac. X Pac got under the porch again. Get <laughs> the hose. X Pac, stop swiping. After beating Farouk, um, the New Age Outlaws, after beating Farouk, uh, Bradshaw chases them off with a metal pipe. Um, then we get a big show, a big show, I don't like The Rock, and you raise your pretty little eyebrow. Big Show says he'll never be the people's champion, but uh, we all knew that. And then for the main event, Big Show refuses to tag in. The Rock gets a low blow right to the Young Rocks, and Triple H and X-Pac win. All right. Okay, okay, okay. But before that before that match happens, that's that was the main event, right? Mm-hmm. Before that match happens, during the Degeneration X uh, introduction, there is a part where they are all standing in the ring, and it's like, uh, it's X-Pac, and who else is it? Is it? Uh, Hunter or no? It's Xbox and Hunter in the match. I don't know. I I didn't watch this full episode or this full match. Full disclosure. Okay, it's Xbox and Hunter and Stephanie McMahon. And oh my god, just watch the introduction because watching Stephanie McMahon try to do the X chop is one of the funniest things. Okay. I I don't I don't rewind and I rewound twice for this. It's just like it's like she. You know, have you ever seen like a like an animal try to dance? Like you know, like it's just it's just there's something unnatural about it. Like she just looks like she's so awkward about trying to chop towards her genitalia, uh, and and just kind of like at some point she just kind of gives up and it's just like like just presents X Pac. So she like does a half hearted one, then she's just like X Pac and like. But it lets him do it. It's really fun. <laughs> I feel like Eric's trying to lead us on a vision quest. Have you ever seen animals try to dance? Well, what I was going to say was, have you ever seen an animal try to dance? Sounds like something Penelope Cruz character would say in Vanilla Sky. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell when I haven't pre-written some of these because that was me trying to be like, what? What is? What's a good, like, uh, fish out of water? Have you ever seen a fish out of water? <laughs> um, Try also, to dance. Also, I think Vanilla Sky is a good movie. And ooh, I'll stand by ooh. that. All right. And... I, it's, I have to say, it's been a very long time. <laughs> but based on films, I thought, I used to think that movie was good. But based on other films, I thought were good at the same, around that time, I've got to say it's questionable. <laughs> like, it's suspect. Yeah, I think it's a bit sus. Uh, it's... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I've watched it. I've I've like watched it more recently since, or at least part of it. And I was just like, "Yep, still can't tell if this is a good movie." Oh, I'm not figuring that one out tonight. Um, January seventeenth. At least Mick Foley is starting off the twenty minutes of promos to start Raw. Right. And although honestly, it's like it's like ten minutes of them standing around and like entering and mm-hmm. looking at each other and getting ready. So I'm on my phone for that part. But then we get to Mick's list of things he doesn't regret. 
and we just remember what a fucking badass this guy is and how great he is and then how he is able to get greatness out of others because i know i've definitely been down on triple h's promo ability recently but man is he rising to the occasion here couldn't agree more i mean i think it's awesome yeah I think these promos are great from Triple H and, and Cactus throughout these weeks. Mm-hmm. There's there's a point where Triple H says something that made me go, Triple H is the damn Joker, but I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he said like we live in a society or or, um, or what, but there was something. I think I, I think I've got this. So he says talks about how Mick actually hates Cactus Jack because yes. Cactus Jack is yes, is yes, like yes. him stripping his humanity away. And as Triple H is delivering that promo, it cuts over to Mick Foley, who is just, like, subtly nodding, just like a fucking, like, bring it. Yeah, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, that might be it. He really really turned it on its heels. Mm -hmm. So DX winds up beating down Mick, causing the Rock to come out, then Big Show, and then the Acolytes. I will say, we often, you know, we even said it earlier in this episode, we had these moments where we're always like, you know what, I wish people's alignment was more clear or less clear, or like why, you know, what's their investment in helping the good guys or the bad guys, and here we have the big show who I think is acting insane? I don't know, like, just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Who you're like, yeah. like yes. I was getting really frustrated at this point because I didn't understand what, what the story they were telling was, and then it was like, oh, you were just trying to uh, do Rumble Build like alongside this story uh, they're like but tell me that's like that's where we ended up and it actually it, maybe and i'm and maybe i'm wrong bad historian but then it feels like less important um big show and triple h's relationship whereas for a minute in the beginning of this you're like wait so is he working for triple h and then he was like oh no he's just kind of like on his own thing hates the rock and also is fighting dx right yeah he his feelings are hurt because he was called a jabroni <laughs> which is like Big show. Yeah. You've, you've got, you've got, uh, I don't know. Maybe your skin's being stretched a little tight over those seven feet because holy shit, man, it's thin. Even if you're a giant, words hurt. <laughs> yeah. After- don't call me jabroni. <laughs> uh, but and then he follows it up like, like complete simp. I want the, no- the fans to know that I respect them at the same time. Like, oh, we do not respect you. Yeah, he's a uh, big show's a real milady. <laughs> he just, you know, he he goes home, he puts on his like his fedora, and oh, he yeah. like, you know, he he's like every girl's like best guy friend who uh-huh. like secretly seethes when she talks about the date she went on. <laughs> so after Triple H and X Pac versus the Acolytes ends in a degeneration X beatdown, we do get an update as far as Stone Cold's surgery. From a man <laughs> Stone who... Stone Cold has solid bone. <laughs> He's a healthy young man. It's good muscle, solid bone. Was like, okay. Solid bone. Okay, well, so we can't argue with that. So I think we can all agree on two different things. First, if someone were to say Dr. Lloyd Youngblood to you, that is exactly not the person that you would you would put picture in your mind. And second, Dr. Lloyd Youngblood wants to fuck Steve Austin. <laughs> He's a healthy young man. He's got good muscle, solid bone, seven and a half well, inches Solid cut. bone. Well muscle. Seven muscles. and a half inches cut. High, tight ass. Oh. 
Did you guys see the close-up of his gorilla knuckles? No. That fucking, those fucking hairy-ass, like, maws. Could you imagine that guy doing surgery? Like, he can't hold any instruments. First of all, Lloyd Youngblood is definitely Dr. Leo Spasemin dodging a murder charge from 30 Rock. <laughs> And then after that update, all the other stars who have hated Austin up to this point want to know how happy they are that his surgery went okay. Yeah, on a very special episode of Raw. So Cactus Jack talks to the Big Show, tells him he wants to work it out with The Rock. He goes to The Rock, says to play nice with The Big Show, because DX attacks in packs. The main event, The Rock and Big Show have been fighting it out basically the whole match. Big Show, like, pulls The Rock out, smacks him, decides he's been tagged in. Then uh, The Rock hits Big Show with a steel chair, and then the and, uh, the Outlaws win. Boo. And then we get a people's elbow, because, of course, we get a people's elbow. January 20th. The Outlaws are getting the night off because they did such a great job on Monday. Not X-Pac though. He's going to be in a match for the number 30 spot, which again, that's great. Anything for a match with a reason and a purpose against Test. Then they decide, so the the promo parade at the start, they're going to have Big Show kick it off. You know, really <laughs> really bring some energy into the night. Big Show comes out oh, gosh. dressed like he's in any early 90s alt-rock band. Spin Doctors, <laughs> Deep Blue Something, The Bodines. Like, that's the vibe he is for sure rocking yes. with the hair. And I believe there was a necklace. There was definitely a beanie. There was, yeah, it, a dick cap. It was real. It was rough. He was shooting He was shooting his scenes for singles. <laughs> and then he, he left uh, Portland and... Yeah, luckily The Rock interrupts the big show. It's nothing, oh. but at least it's interesting sounding nothing. Wait, but before that, mm-hmm. uh, big show, he he is literally crying to the audience. He's like, I, you guys, you guys boo me, but I signed your autographs. I kissed your babies. And I was like, who gives a baby to big show to kiss? I'd be like, you're going to eat this baby. Don't tell me you're not going <laughs> to. Give me as the soon baby. as I turn my back, that baby's head is going to be in your mouth. I want to kiss the baby. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love how his voice cracks when he goes, You want to know why nobody likes me? And I was like, come on, Big Show. <laughs> this is this is like depressing, man. It's like we know why nobody likes you. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm seven feet tall. Nope, nope, that's not it. Yeah, it's because you have yet to cultivate an interesting personality. Uh, and then Tori comes out to speak for Kane, whatever, but also, hell yeah, Kane. And again, Kane turning into, I think, some of his best work, looking like a million bucks and kicking ass mm-hmm. in these matches. Yeah. And then Triple H comes out to make a pretty good point that no matter who wins, it's still going to be a long road to WrestleMania. Although I did not quite understand the terms of the match as Triple H described it. I later sort of understood, but I'm like, 
Lumberjack over-the-top elimination. I was like, what do the Lumberjacks actually do if it's an over-the-top elimination? Just there because it's it, this was – I thought this was an awesome way to sell the Rumble. I thought this was a great – like like get all the get all 30 guys who are going to be in the Rumble together. I, like I said, I left, I left excited for this. So I like immediately want to watch the, the actual Royal Rumble. And I was like, oh, now I understand because The Rock and Big Show and Kane are all in the Rumble. I want to see how they do. They all have good chances. I love all these other dum-dums who are all outside. This is going to be fun. Right. And it was and it was the it was basically uh the the Schmaz pre-course. Yeah. Yeah, and so the over the top rope triple threat lumberjack match or whatever the fuck they called it is a, a stupid idea, but it completely serves the purpose of reminding us that these are the guys that we're going to be rooting for in the Rumble. The Rumble is happening. Watch the Rumble. Yeah. I, 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 unnecessarily complex, but I I understood why they did it, and I, and I, and I was happy with what it was. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But that's not going to be the end of the night. After X Pac, Triple H, and Stephanie hug it out as X Pac walks off into the night after securing the number thirty spot against Test. Triple H comes out into the ring smartly brings up last year's rumble and the fucking beating that Mick Foley got at that point. Very unhappy. I had to watch that actually. (laughs) And says that the level of brutality is going to be beyond what the rock did. Um, He's focused. He's driven. If only he didn't have on that stupid Harley hat. Ugh, the worst. I I really hope he doesn't live up to that promise because I don't want to see it get worse than what happened last year. Like last year was uh, terrible and not a fun, not fun to watch actually. And he says that if your kids are there, every tear that drops from their eyes, I will love it. Which probably could have had a much cooler ending than I will love it. <laughs> a hell of a show. <laughs> If your kids could cry, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> is that the is that the original uh, uh, mug of of liberal tears? <laughs> but Mick Foley is not going to have his children there, not because of what they'll see happen to him, but he does, does not want them to be disturbed by seeing what Daddy is going to do to Triple H. Mick is in the zone. Triple H looks like all the color is gone from his face when he arrives. And that fucking beatdown between the two of them sold it more than anything else. Yeah, I thought this would be, these were great promos. Uh, they were both – this was a really good segment. And, I mean, like, yeah, I, I am like – I've got bloodlust for this feud. I am, like, excited to see this at Royal Rumble. There was a sign in the crowd during this that says, Triple H sucks Jack's cactus. But it took me forever to figure out because at first I thought it was two different messages. Triple H sucks and then Jack's cactus. Two different things that they were trying to get across. I saw Fat Dave as a virgin. Which, <laughs> Sorry, Fat Dave. <laughs> but hopefully um, that pile driver on the announce table cheered him up. Ah, oh, yeah, that was good. So it... It looks awesome, but it also looks like the safest pile driver, which makes me mm-hmm. like it honestly more. Way better, yeah. <laughs> like, cause it, it looks like it hurt. Like, it looks, it looks great. It looks great, and it also looks so safe. <laughs> and so then, going through, we've been been since Armageddon, going through this story here, 
and all the sub stories that have fed into it. We've got Triple H versus Cactus Jack, obviously. We've got X-Pac in at number 30 and selling a little bit of tension between the two of them. If he wins, what's going to happen between him and his friend? We've got the New Age Outlaws versus the Acolytes, and they did um, ran back the Acolytes bar fight from the last time that they were in Providence and did that between them in this same show. We've got The Rock and The Big Show aiming for the, the win and the, the tension that's between them. We've got Kane in there as the big monster spoiler, and we've also got Kurt Angle's undefeated streak. All of this going through this same story. Yeah. I'm psyched. I am. This is a what a ride yeah. we're on. Are we gonna bet on this uh, on this Royal Rumble? <laughs> yeah, I'll take your bet. <laughs> Who do you want? I mean, I mean, I'll we'll just we'll draw numbers the way we do every year. Re- reminder: Xbox coming in at thirty, so he's got an advantage. <laughs> And we'll get to all of that soon enough. But in the meantime, love us, disagree, want to. Use the restroom immediately after Tori blows it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Want to get hired for the job of a hell of a show to for yours to be with come. (laughs) (laughs) With come. Just like the dress. Let us know. <laughs> Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again for the 2000 Royal Rumble. I don't know, Eric. I think this might be. Uh, I think this might be the Godfather's year. <laughs> He's a real good time guy. I'm rooting for Doctor Youngblood, honestly. <laughs> you know that Hugh Jackman movie was originally called The Hell of a Showman. <laughs> no, all right. I thought that was better than that. But you know what? Whatever. You know, they're, they're all winners. This, that, this is my process. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Bobby. Bobby, that was a solid bone. Bobby, you're, you know you're cutting this episode. You know you can cut all this out if you want. I know, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>